Marini's Media. Hello and welcome to the Totally Scottish Football Show in association with Paddy Power. Coming up, the season is now officially over and Celtic are on cloud nine. Meanwhile, hearts are officially broken. The Scottish Championship beckons for them. It's the season described by one listener as more absurd than Tiger King. And all this calls for an emergency podcast. I'm Andrew Slavin, and as usual, I'm joined by this guy, JJ Bull of The Telegraph. What's Hello, happening? JJ. Hey, it's all about the last dance now. Tiger King, so much. We're all in the last dance. <laughs> we must move on. Yes. Um, JJ, tell me what you, you think of the news today. Uh, things, yeah. The Scottish football season's over, eh? Uh, big news, big news, big, big news. Uh, enjoyed it. Uh, the fallout's been especially fun to, to read on Twitter. Um, <laughs> I've been working today on the Telegraph and we've been getting all the reports in and putting them together. It's been, yeah, it's been dead interesting. Quite glad it's been finally decided. Despite all the football that we've not been able to watch, it has been, you're right, it has been quite funny and enjoyable reading statement after statement after statement after statement. More to come. Well, before we get into that, uh, coming up today, we're going to be speaking with Liam Donnelly from Motherwell and getting a heart's eye view with Amoruso Let's It Run. So without much more, let's get into it. You're listening to the Totally Scottish Football Show in association with Paddy Power. So the season's ended on a points per game basis and league matches played to 13th of March 2020 by each club. Therefore, leaving Celtic some way clear at the top with Hearts relegated. The decision was taken at a board meeting on Monday after the 12 clubs agreed at the end of last week that completing the campaign was unfeasible. There were still eight... There it goes, unfeasible. Keep going. <laughs> unfeasible, unfeasible, <laughs> unfeasible. There were still eight game weeks left to play just 0.03 of a point separated Motherwell and Aberdeen with Motherwell taking the third third place European spot ah but this is this is complicated this one isn't it because we don't know oh, for certain yeah this is it but we're going to get into it JJ yeah, we'll, we'll do it really quickly because yeah, because yeah. the SPFL's got to uh, end the league now they're going to have to tell you UEFA what they're up to and why they've cancelled it and they've got to give four European slots first goes to Celtic obviously Champions League Second will be Rangers in Europa League. Third goes to Motherwell because they finished third on the points average basis. And the fourth, it looks like, is Aberdeen. But the Scottish Cup, which is run by the SFA, they say they're going to keep playing that. And normally the winner or runner-up of that would get the final place. And that could be one of Hearts or Hibs if if they were to get to the final and then, you know, all that sort of nonsense. So it's all and crazy. Yet, and yet, JJ, some would say the biggest question is, what have the SPFL been up to, eh? <laughs> um, sixth spot was uh, given to St Johnston. Uh, they pipped Hibs by 0.01 of a point to uh, get into the top half of the table. So even though That's they're right. managerless, um, Stephen uh, Stephen Wright, Tommy Wright has uh, done it again. Another and top uh, six finish. Hibs are the only team who's who place changed with the points per game basis as well. So yeah, they missed. So they're out. the only ones who've missed out and go to the bottom six. Um, but yeah, and then uh, the goal difference was settled between 9th and 10th. St Mirren had a better defensive record, so they go above Ross County. And uh, yeah, Hearts Pretty aren't going to be too pleased about that. I mean, they're not pleased about it. We'll get into that all in, the, in a second as well. But it's all been um, a lot of stuff's come down the wires today. <laughs> as they do always in the SPFL. I think it's probably best we start with the champions. Uh, what do you think? 
I believe that is the correct place to start, Andrew. <laughs> we heard from Chief Executive Peter Lowell today, not on this podcast. He said to uh, Celtic fans, It is, of course, a real shame that we were not able to see out the league in front of our fans. However, no one can deny how deserved this title is. Yeah, Agree? I mean, obviously they deserved it and they were going to win it anyway. Celtic 13 points the difference JJ there was Aye. no way I, I think uh, Rangers although mathematically they could catch Celtic and with you know the potential of two yeah. uh, Celtic Rangers games still to come um, crazier things have happened in football right but it was it's just not going to happen Celtic are too good and to have that lead by then they weren't going to give that up there's just there's just no way it was always going to be Celtic's title I can understand Rangers want to you know to keep the season going but with things being so tight as they were until New Year, JJ, how much do you rate Neil Lennon's leadership? You know, since that defeat against Rangers, when you saw Steven Gerrard scream into the TV cameras, it seemed like the tables were turning, but Celtic again find a way. How much does that have to be accredited to Lennon? I think, considering, I don't, I don't think Lennon spent an awful lot of money on new players, but what Neil Lennon's brought to Celtic, I mean, he might not be a master tactician and maybe he makes mistakes now and again, things like that, but he is a very good by all things I've read, he's meant to be a very good coach. He's a good uh, motivator. He makes players better. What he seems to do with Celtic is that he understands the culture of it. That mm. I was talking to a few managers this last few weeks for pieces I've been writing um, outside this podcast, and all the all these managers who developed big teams and talking people like Rennie Mullenstein and um, Stephen Robinson, people like that. The most important thing is putting the culture in. You have to get the culture in place. Neil Lennon has been a player, a captain. He's a leader. He's got Scott Brown on the pitch who is like Mr. Celtic, you know, this whole kind of proper determined leadership. They do not lose. And mm-hmm. that's been in place. It's so stable. And that has helped them. They can just add good players or great players to the, the existing core they already have. They've got the and best of course, in the league by far. So uh, of, of course, the, um, Lennon was there for the first three titles. Yeah. Um, and, and this is him, you know, stepping into whenever the new season starts, could finish or could have another three titles under his belt. But that would then make it 10 for Celtic, which is the prize that most, well, all Celtic fans have been desperate for because Celtic now match the Lisbon Lions era of, of, of reaching nine in a row for the first time. And I don't know if any other club has, has reached 10 in a row, um, but Rangers won't be happy about that. <laughs> no, and it's also, I mean, as, as great an achievement as it is for Celtic, right? It's something that they should be expected to do with the situation Absolutely. at the time. And the other thing as well is it doesn't look great for Scottish football more generally that there is such a divide between mm. uh, the first place and everyone else. Like The gap of the money is massive. The quality of players, the difference is absolutely huge. And uh, there's just not much that other teams can do to catch up. JJ, we can't really talk about Celtic without including Rangers. Um, yeah, otherwise course, we'd be bummed at the stake. both. <laughs> Look, it, it was looking good for Steven Gerrard at the start of the season, all the way up to New Year. But one thing, although they didn't top the Scottish Premiership, they did top the COVID-19-20 Statement League with a strong 16 statements since the last football was kicked back in yeah, March. some of them are impressive. Some of them going on about being, they will not be bullied. And then, I, I mean, a couple of days later, saying that they never mentioned bullying. It's really... Um, just also really mentioning that they, they, they had a whistleblower and that, lo and behold, they did have, um, I think it was Stuart Robertson, chief executive, who was on the SPFL board. So who who knows who the whistleblower was? 
Um, Don't know, and also this evidence that they've never been able to produce has mysteriously gone gone quiet on. There are rumours about what that was, but I can't speculate because it was just well disappointing, though. JJ, I, yeah. I was disappointed. What the whole build up to it was, and, and, and let's be honest, anything, it, regardless of what club it is, like any club who behaves like that is odd. But 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 even just the, the idea of an independent inquiry, which is what Rangers. Um, Hearts and Stranraer wanted, led by Rangers, when the evidence was was released in a matter of seconds, um, when it was supposed to be confidential, it was really kind of disappointing. I I was kind of expecting that there would be a real case for it, and I just felt a bit like, well, it doesn't look like the organisation is is excellently led, but nothing, nothing, no, no wrongdoing. Yeah, if you go if you go hard with saying like you've got evidence of a of huge malpractice and all this, and then you don't you don't produce anything even now, they mm-hmm. didn't have anything. It's I mean it's embarrassing how that's been run, uh, and to think and this is the point right. So Rangers were better this season, and that is the thing that Rangers are trying to do is with Steven Gerrard is build the same sort of culture that Celtic have. They want to build a winning culture at that club so they mm-hmm. can get to a point where they can then challenge it at the top. It's going to take a long time. It'll take a lot of money and patience. It'll, it takes about 18 months for a manager to really get the team that they want going. And Gerard's slowly building his. I think he's probably around about... I mean, he's not. He's just over 18 months, right? So he's going to need a bit more uh, bit more time, I think, to really see what's happening. Maybe one more window. If he's going to I don't forget, JJ, Rangers did spend money, $7 million on Ryan Kent. That was a panic um, buy. Who, they, they knew they needed someone and they... This is panicked. Seven but at the time, JJ, you Kent. can't argue that it looked like a good signing and it also looked like a really strong statement that I the club was the time, willing to spend to catch Celtic. I think at the time it looked like they needed to sign someone. At the time, I thought seven million was mental for Ryan Kent. Liverpool, I don't think they would have believed they would have gotten seven million for him. And it's they got money from qualifying for the Europa, Europa League and they were superb in the Europa League this season. Mm. Uh, yeah, they were. But Ryan Kent... Has, They're still in the Europa not, League. Yeah, well, that's true, yeah. Uh, Ryan Kent, it's not his fault that he's not lived up to £7 million worth because it's impossible. He was, you know, he's a decent player who gives them a little bit of something extra when they need to break down teams. And there was a couple of examples during the season where, I'm trying to think of the one on top of my head that I can't. Where he, scored he scored that scored great a, goal against Braga. Braga, there uh, you to go, take right? Them through. To break them down. So that's the kind of thing that they bought him for. But it's a lot of panic buying and, it, and it's good that they've got the money to be able to do that. It's still going to take time, and the problem is there's not a lot of patience with trying to stop Celtic at the ten in a row. It's a real distraction they don't need. I don't know if it's anything to do with training too hard in Dubai or whatever. I think it's just mentality, and it takes a long time to build this. And Steven Gerrard, I think, looks like he knows what he's doing, taking Rangers forward. But like he's, Gerrard's got nothing to do with the stuff out of the, the board level. It's nothing to do with him. We had a question um, regarding Steven Gerrard from um, a chap called Michael Slavin. I'm saying Slavin because his name ends in I-N. There's no relation to me, so I'm saying Slavin. But it might be Slavin, like mine. Mine ends Mm. in E-N. Anyway, he asks, (laughs) does this make it more or less likely for Steven Gerrard to leave Rangers? What do you think? I I can't see Gerrard leaving Rangers feeling like he's not achieved something yet. We yeah, all knew that Steven Gerrard had to win a trophy. And you go on about it all the time. Young managers have to win a trophy by a certain age, right? Before they're considered a real success. It's not considered. Um, it's that they just don't go on to do anything more. They have to win a trophy before they're 43. That's the problem. So and, uh, I don't think Steven Gerrard will leave Rangers. If Steven Gerrard leaves Rangers, it will be because he's pushed. He can, he can win titles there. 
I think mm-hmm. Celtic will change. Celtic won't Celtic won't lose that league until Scott Brown leaves. When Scott Brown goes, it'll change who's in charge of the team and the the culture of the club. That'll be a real moment. And uh, you can you're saying it hinges on Scott Brown. I really the Scottish so. Premiership season. <laughs> I've read an awful lot about how influential captains are and certain kinds of captains uh, recently, and looking at a lot of team building and empire building to do with managers and coaches. And Scott Brown, I really think, is underestimated how important and integral to Celtic's dominance, money's involved as well, uh, of this league. R- Rangers don't have that clear captain. Leader. They don't have the. They don't have that clear. What is Rangers just now? It's a little bit of panic trying to get back to where they were before it went all tits up. But they're. It's just not- a shame because Stephen Stephen Davis looked like that kind of player, but what yeah. thirty five. Similar signing, age to, to that's Brown. That's a good signing. People like Stephen Davis, yeah. right? And generous. I think he's made some some decent signings, and he's he got to do it slowly. They're they're just not going to be there yet, but they are definitely making huge steps. It was. I mean, they were really close this first season. I think Stephen Gerrard made that quote that he got t- torn apart for, which I thought made sense, saying that if games mm. ended at eighty minutes or something, he would have they would have won the league. And uh, that's all relevant, and it's something they can build on, and then they can get more points this season. And I think they would have finished closer to Celtic in thirteen points at the end of it, but. Uh, it's a shame how the, the club has acted with all this going on. I understand the need they want to get closer to, to Celtic and it should be decided not by ending it now and not giving them a chance to get close. But it was always going to be Celtics. But anyway, that's the top two. We should speak about their clubs. Yeah, we're going to be speaking to Liam Donnelly of Motherwell. But next up, we're going to talk about Hearts. I'm Jose Mourinho. I know a thing or two about being special. Tall Swedish strikers with little ponytails, special. Winning the little jackpot on Paddy Power Games, not special. Understood, Jose. Yes, someone wins an average £40,000 jackpot every single day. So if you win, don't think you're special. Daily Jackpots by Paddy Power Games. Jackpots must be awarded by 11pm and vary from day to day. Jackpot is shared with other operators available on selected games. T's and C's at paddypower.com, 18plusbegumbleware.org. On Spotify, smart speaker and podcast platforms everywhere, this is the Totally Scottish Football Show from Muddy Knees Media. You know who was top of the table 19 months ago? Was it Hearts? Hearts. It was Hearts. But now the Jambos are going to be travelling to the likes of Aloha, Greenock and the mighty Queen of the South. Just a little Dumfries plug in there. But here to Doommonger for one last time this season, it's Scott McIntosh, a.k.a. Amoruso, Let's It Run. Scott, thanks for joining us. We always seem to speak to you when it's a bit doom and gloom for Hearts, but we all know football secondary right now, but are you surprised with um, today's decision? Um, and how gutted are you really that it's it's got to this point and, and your team's relegated? Not, not surprised uh, one bit. In terms of the emotional side, it, you're kind of detached from it all. It's not like being at a game at the end of a season where you're losing a goal and that's you relegated. It's all kind of been done sort of with regards to you know, the legal dramas and you know, the trials and tribulations from the, the debacles of the, the recent sort of, uh, meetings between the clubs. So you, you kind of are detached from an emotional side of it, albeit maybe apart from a bit of frustration and confusion. Uh, so that's actually been a bit of a, a relief. Plus, this has all been sandwiched in between looking back at previous cup wins uh, the cup win from '98, where there was an uh, anniversary on Saturday, and the cup win tomorrow from 2012. So, no shortage of comfort blankets for Hearts fans this week. 
you know, there's a lot of furor, really, I'm seeing on social media. A lot of fans aren't really accepting this. I've, I've seen from somewhere that people aren't accepting this as relegation. They're actually saying it's an expulsion. Yeah, I'm, I'm seeing something similar. I decided once I got the invite to join you this evening, I decided to run a quick little poll for the last four hours. And I think it was about 60, 90, 70% of the people who took part said that they, they weren't looking to accept the decision. They fully backed the club in fighting it. I'd imagine the numbers are probably higher than that if you actually removed yourself from social media and polled just Harps fans only. I'm sure there were some people probably trolling that poll, if I'm being completely honest. I'm quite undecided about it all. From my point of view, I think if there'd been some form of monetary package offered along with the expulsion slash relegation, I think it would have been easier to have accepted because there's no there's no scenario that could have been put in front of all these clubs that wouldn't have impacted on at least one club. So I suppose from their point of view, they've been trying to minimise the impact as much as they can. So naturally, I think what a lot of Hearts fans are maybe a bit miffed about is the fact that there hasn't been any mention of any sort of monetary compensation uh, being offered to the club in terms of taking this expulsion on. If you were to look at it from a footballing standpoint, our form against the bottom six was so awful this season that would we have stayed up if we'd been allowed to play those remaining eight games? I very much doubt it. You know, there, there was nothing there to back that theory. So I think for most fans, uh, I think most of it is down to the fact that this is, there seems to be a lack of support being offered to the club uh, at this time. Where do you think, I mean, there's no short answer to this, but where do you think it went wrong for Hearts? Yeah, the, unfortunately, there is no short answer to that. Uh, it's been about a three to four year malaise. For some reason, there have been three seasons of mediocrity where that had been sort of accepted. And the whole ironic thing is, is that Adam Budge is probably going to follow the lead of the majority of Hearts fans and look after those fans by fighting this decision. Whereas last summer, when the vast majority of the same fan base were wanting Craig Levine removed and a fresh spin on the club in terms of bringing somebody in with fresh ideas and their own recruitment strategy and their own style of play, and Budge was quite steadfast in refusing that and saying that he needed more time. So there is a, a sense of irony about the fact that she is now going to start listening to the vast majority of fans when really we needed that 12 months ago. I mean, the one thing that people can't lose focus with regards to the legality of what has went on today is why is it that a club with the fourth biggest budget in the league found themselves in a relegation scrap in March time anyway? That's ultimately a big question that I think most people still need to try and uh, look back on. Yeah, uh, I mean, what do you what do you think? Or what do you want as a Hearts fan? What do you want to happen next? And what what do you feel about the future of Daniel Stendel as well? I don't know. Eh? It's all about self interest. This is the whole thing about this whole narrative, like including Hearts. It's all about self interest, and mm-hmm. you know, there is this. It just highlights the tribalism that comes all with being a football fan. If, if we'd finished 11th and if it'd been Smirin going down, we wouldn't really have cared if reconstruction was being considered or not. And and again, if you think about even, even that reconstruction package that was offered or put on the table by our budge, it was all short term. None of it was long term. So I think for most fans, there's a real hunger for permanent changes to be made in Scottish football, but not the short term changes that were being offered. In terms of Stendhal, right man wrong, 
wrong time, I think, is probably how we'll look back on the last five or six months. I don't think he'll stay. I think it'll just be a case of him in the club trying to agree on you know what sort of packages put together for him to leave. Uh, but I definitely can't see him staying now that it looks like we will be playing championship football. Well, we know we know that Stendhal has a, a clause in his contract, doesn't he? If the club was to go down, I think there's something there where he might be able to leave freely. But where does where does Anne Budge sit with the fans now? Because there was not too long ago talk about trying to get this fan ownership through and confirmed. But where does that put that now as well? And is, is Anne Budge seen as still the right person to be leading the club? I honestly can't answer that. Uh, I mean, ultimately, when she took the club over six years ago, there was a five-year plan put in place. Now, if everything goes ahead as it's been, you know, put forward today, we're, we're basically pressing the reset button. It's as if the last five or, five or six years have happened. In terms of on the park, naturally, there's been a lot of progress made in terms of infrastructure behind the scenes, and she's done a wonderful job in many ways, but... I don't know if her ego will allow her to step aside now. Will she want to maybe stay involved? I think the Foundation of Hearts will want her involved because I think that her business expertise will be needed, uh, at least for another sort of, you know, year or two. So I think for the short term, she'll be here for at least another couple of seasons, I think, especially if we do have a, a big fight on our hands in the coach. Scott McIntosh, a.k.a. Amoruso, lets it run. JJ, it is harsh that hearts are relegated. It's hearts. It's hearts. It's harsh. Is it? That, um, that is it harsh? Any club is relegated. It's harsh because of the time that we're in and the stance that we're in. Andrew, I can't help but feel if they had simply not been bottom in the league, they, well, like, uh, or they had attempted to win more games early and had not been I understand that. Arse the entire I season. understand that, but like Scott was saying... The real, or or one of the gripes for Hearts fans is that the the lack of not sympathy, but the lack of uh, want from other clubs to try and think of a way that lessens the impact on the clubs that are relegated. But it's and so Hearts complicated. Are... There's so much things to think about. Like it's unprecedented times. Blah blah blah. This is a unique experience for everyone we're going through just now, right? It's not mm-hmm. like when the war started and we just stopped playing, whatever. I mean, it is a bit like that, really. But there's <laughs> the thing: you've got to find a way to stop it. If you start changing things, like, oh, we'll change this this year, we'll do that this year, we make the league this bigger this year, it's going to cause... I mean, it's it's like a, a, the things... When you, when you work somewhere, like in an office, and someone's and you change something like, well, we're going to have a new shift that starts at seven, not eight, and then you have to make you have a training session to do it, and then you've got to have, like, see the impact, and everyone's like, oh, wow, I'm not sure I can manage that rather than, well, seven rather than eight. Like, it, there's, it's easy to change these things. Have 14 teams next season, go back to it after. Easy, done. But it happens like that in the real in real life, especially when you involve heaps of people and, and uh, lawyers and everything. So there's never going to be a way where they're going to actually get this through. Now, hearts were bottom. They were awful all season. They've completely messed it up with the way that they've had the club run with, the, with management. Like Levine, if they got rid of Levine earlier, there's a good chance Stendhal could have kept them up. It was clearly not working early on, the way they've handled it is, I mean, I've been talking a lot about this culture stuff. You look at that club, no idea who's really in charge and if there's strong leadership there. Anne Budge knows what she's doing, the business side of things, absolutely. But then you've got, we've been through it so many times, Levine and, uh, and what's his, uh, Levine and McPhee. Austin McPhee. Are, yeah, Austin McPhee, still floating about. Uh, Stendhal's come in, far too late to make changes, needed more time. 
Hearts fans will find this not nice to listen to, but whoever's bottom, that tends to be the team that is worse, and it's been done on average points, and they're still bottom. It's not like yeah, they popped I, up the league. I understand that, but but it is also the situation that we're in is totally, you know, nobody could ever have predicted this, and it does seem unfair they to relegate a club <laughs> to relegate a club that, if in any other circumstance, could still have an opportunity to be out of the position that they're in. So there is, there is a, I don't think you can disagree that there is a level of unfairness and I don't see why there couldn't be some sort, some level of solidarity payments to these clubs that are I don't know why they need solidarity relegated. payments. Like, they finished bottom, someone has to get relegated. It is sure. hard. But, but, so but we, might, we might be talking about this, but it's the decision, the, the, the question was asked to clubs on Friday, can the league continue? And it was a unanimous agreement from all clubs that the games could not be played. So yeah. there is that against them too. So you've got to finish it. And they've done that. Either, either that will go on forever and ever and ever, but different kind of ways you can finish it and let it out and have reconstruction. And nobody seems to agree on reconstruction. Like I said before, I would, I'd like it if it was a longer, like, sorry, longer, a bigger league. I'd like a 16-team league, ideally. But it's not going to happen. It's too broken as it is. And unfortunately, sure. hearts are the ones who have been uh, hit by this one. A bad, a bad case of timing. Um, maybe the same for for Stendhal. Maybe like Scott was saying, Stendhal arriving at Hearts, the right man at the wrong time. Yeah, we don't know what his situation is going to be like. He's in a preseason, it seems. Uh, it also doesn't sound hugely encouraging. Like he'll stick around. The other thing is that uh, Hearts are trying to claim that they've not been relegated; they've been ex- expelled or expelled from the uh, <laughs> from the league. So uh, I wonder what that means legally for any uh, relegation release. And relegation <laughs> wage lowering costs that they're going to have to deal with. That's another yeah. weird thing they have to do because the wording is really important. Anyway, we'll talk about Motherwell now, should we? They're third. Yeah, let's let's Spoiler. we'll move from the relegation. We'll go back up the table um, because secure in third place was Motherwell by zero point z yeah zero point zero three of a point. How impressive! Yeah, average points have uh, worked out. I think that's fair. I've got you've feeling... you've spoken to Steve Robinson recently, haven't you? Um, because you've been so impressed by. You know the, their style of play and how he's been able to transform the club um, over the last couple of years. Yeah, I did an interview with him a little while ago. I have, I have a feeling that eventually Motherwell might not have been able to keep up that third place and they might have been pipped purely because Aberdeen have finished that kind of position so many times and have that mentality, even though they've been pretty... It's not been great to watch. It's been a bad season for Aberdeen. But uh, on that note, when I spoke to Stephen Robinson, it was mostly about how he changed... His uh, the system went from being quite robust a three five two all of the time to a four three three, which is what he's always wanted to play. And he said he he had to play with what he had. So you can't suddenly come in and be Pep Guardiola if you don't have the players to do it. But with with different windows, he slowly started adding players that had the pace that he needed. The pace and mm. width is what he needed most of all. And he waited until those young boys that came through, like Sir Turnbull and and Campbell we're ready to play, put them in the team, and then he's reaped the rewards of doing so. But it's <laughs> dead good to watch. As an article I wrote, it's in the Telegraph, it's an interview with uh, Steve Robinson, uh, stripped down just a couple of bits from some of their games, and the shaping of the team, uh, playing against Ross County, one example, and the shaping makes them look like how Man City control the pitch, where you've got one centre-back acts as a sweeper, becomes a diamond um, from the defenders back to the furthest forward. I'm trying to explain, it's hard to do this without being able to draw it. But then you've got a midfield three, which is made up of defenders and a midfielder that blocks the pitch so there's no way out. So you're 
you're defend rather than defend deep, you're, you're defending high, so there's no way out for the team that wants to counter and Ross County like to counter. So they have this all put together. It's a lot of movement off the ball. It's really good coaching. It really, it's, you can see it's been done on the training ground. There's a lot of stuff going on, a lot of movement that they need to have done. And um, yeah, Robinson was a great chat. It's, it's spoken awful lot about how they went through working in different units with the midfield defence forwards have to do this. But it's all about the players he brought in. And without being able to get those ex- exact kind of players like Seydorf and um, the likes of those, he wouldn't be able to do it. Well, speaking of players, JJ, let's hear from one now. Um, their top scorer, in fact, Liam Donnelly, joins us. Liam, thanks for joining us. Um, how has the past few weeks been uh, leading up to the decision that came on Monday that Motherwell finished third, which is a tremendous achievement? Yeah, um, great achievement for the club um, and everyone involved. The last few weeks sort of been... Just, just not really knowing what was going to happen. Seeing everything in the on the on the news, really, about the, the comings and goings, really, of the the SPFL and everything that was going on. But yeah, no, we, that's obviously it's, it's not really the outcome that any of us wanted. Not getting to to finish the games, but yeah, obviously we're delighted that we've we've still got the, the third place. And if that had been taken away from us, then I'm sure we would have been lots more unhappy about the situation but no I'm just uh, delighted for for everyone at the club that we've we've secured the third place when did you find out was it was it when the announcement came out or did you have a, a little idea before no it was just whenever the announcement came out I obviously wasn't switched on to the situation either so I actually got a, a text a few texts through um saying congratulations before I'd even known myself <laughs> um so All right. yeah I went on to to Twitter and seeing the all the announcements have been made, and then um, obviously the the staff and the the manager have gotten in contact with everyone to let us all know as well. So yeah, now we were buzzing when we found out. It still feels like an achievement, right? It doesn't doesn't take away from it that it's just found out in a weird way. No, not at all. Um, still, it's a massive achievement. It's a great achievement for the club. We're we're obviously confident that if the games had been finished, like we we would have liked, obviously. That we would have still held on to the the third position anyway, so I think it's it's fully deserved from our um, performances throughout the season up until it was it was the games were stopped. So no, it's definitely that'll not be be taken away from us. I think we're we're deserved to be where we are. Are you guys going to get together on like a Zoom chat or something like that to try and celebrate finishing third, or do you have any plans in place to kind of just take it all in together as a team? Yeah, I'm sure we could. Um, the, the group chat was a bit busy today, <laughs> the WhatsApp group chat. So now every, everybody's buzzing, congratulating each other. Um, yeah, so no, it's it's a great achievement. Everybody's everybody's buzzing, as I said. Do you agree with the decision to end it early? Um, it's a difficult one. I think obviously everybody wanted to see the games being finished, um, all the games being played out the way they should have been. But obviously everybody's health comes first. It's a difficult situation, obviously. I know some of the other leagues in different countries have started coming back, but I think health is first and foremost. As a player, obviously, you want to make sure your health is important too, and obviously you have to look out for yourself and your families. I know I know all the fans would have wanted the, the games to have been played as well, but yeah, no, I think I think personally it was a it was a sensible decision, but obviously that's not saying that I or any of the other lads are, are happy that we aren't going to get to play the rest of the games. 
Has it been really tough, like this period, being a player and not not knowing not knowing what's happening first and foremost, but just not even being able to to play football and having to look after yourself on top of that with, you know, kind of minimal contact with your coaching yeah. team and stuff. Yeah, it's a it's a difficult situation. Um, it has been for the last however long it's been two months or more. You just you have to sort of try and keep yourself fit. Um, that's what we have been doing. We've been, you know, the, the staff have been in contact, um, been sending over fitness programs for us to do because up until today we sort of had to be under the impression that it could be, it could, um, the games could be going ahead at any stage until the announcement today. So we had to make sure that we were we were ready for that if it if it happened. So it's just yeah, you've had to had to keep yourself in in good shape. But as much as difficult as that's been, because it's hard to try and motivate yourself to do that when you're when you're at home or out in your backyard instead of being on the training pitch but yeah not listen to the decisions made now and I think it's probably the the right one do you fancy yourself in Europa League next season then absolutely <laughs> <laughs> you can yeah. put goals this season as well eh? you could get some of those yeah I wouldn't mind I wouldn't mind scoring in the Europa League <laughs> um no, that must yeah, be the but, prize, though, right? Like, so finishing third—that's your prize. Now you get to play in Europe next season, and that—I'd imagine that's quite exciting for you to be able to test yourself at different levels. And yeah, of course it is. Yeah, I think obviously we started the season. I don't think anybody really expected us to to finish in third or to be pushing for for a European place. But no, I think obviously we started quite well, and um, sort of gradually as the as the season went on a bit, we sort of um, altered our expectations and. The expectations grew a little bit, certainly from within the club anyway, and we wanted to, to push on and secure European football. So, yeah, of course, that's all the lads are going to be, be buzzing about um, possibly taking on taking the, the stage in a Europa League game, taking on, as you said, it could be, could be a big opposition you could be drawn against. So, yeah, it's, it's unbelievable. The style of football you play just now as well, it, I don't know what you think, but... Uh, it would seem to suit European football quite well as opposed to however some teams might play in the Scottish League. What's it been like being at Motherwell? Because you were there since uh, Stephen Robinson sort of changed the style from that kind of yeah. long ball style early on. I think it was last yeah. December he changed it. How, how did that happen on the training ground and what steps do you have to take? Yeah, I think as you said, towards last sort of Christmas time, we weren't in, uh, in a great position in the league. Um, results were sort of hard to come by a bit. So, yeah, the manager and along with his, his staff sort of took it upon themselves to try and change the style of play. Um, obviously, that took time. I think the the winter break came at a good time last Christmas and we sort of had a couple of weeks training then to sort of implement what we wanted to, how we wanted to play in the second half of the season. But yeah, no, it's, it's worked really well. Obviously, the, the second half of last season Finished the season really strongly. Um, that's carried on. I think pushed it even further this season. Um, so yeah, it's it's obviously it's a it's a good brand of football. It's exciting football for everyone. I'm sure I'm sure the fans enjoy watching it too. And it's nice to to play in as well. And yeah, it's probably better off for us playing that way if we're if we're going to be playing against some possibly a European team. So yeah, and as I said, hopefully it'll be. It'll be a great occasion if when we take the, the field for the Europa League and hopefully we can do well. Liam Donnelly, Motherwell defender. Is he defender though? He's listed on my scout 
Uh, he's 23% right back, 23% defensive midfield. He's played centre-back as well. Well, JJ, Wikipedia says defender, so... That's never wrong. It's never, ever wrong. Ah, you're right. (laughs) I'm Jose Mourinho. I know a thing or two about being special. Being on the front cover of Rolling Stone magazine? Special. Winning the daily jackpot on Paddy Power Games? Not special. Understood, Jose. Yes, someone wins an average £40,000 jackpot every single day. So if you win, don't think you're special. Daily Jackpots by Paddy Power Games. Jackpots must be awarded by 11pm and vary from day to day. Jackpot is shared with other operators. Available on selected games. T's and C's at paddypower.com. 18plusbgumbleware.org. Right, JJ, um, since we've been away, there's been a bit of news. Some sad news for St Johnston fans, because Tommy Wright has left St Johnston after almost about 10 years at the club. Well, he arrived at McDermott Park with Steve Lomas and then uh, became manager in 2013 and has been a bit of a legend because he was the first Saints boss to lift a major trophy, Scottish Cup, and it's pretty fitting that his tenure ends with the club finishing sixth. Yeah, it's great. But we're going to miss him. Well, I mean, the rumour, and it would seem to be... Not the rumour, I shouldn't talk about rumour as a journalist. But, it, I mean, it would make sense if he's off to Northern Ireland, right? He's really good at setting up a, a defence. That's the thing he's very yeah. good at. So he's tried to make Johnson a bit younger and a bit more progressive this season. It has worked at times. They struggled again for goals. But then they weren't that great at the back this season as well. So it's great that they finished sixth. Like, that is uh, another... Really, really good achievement. And the, the important bit now for that club, talking about culture all the way through it, it, this podcast, is that they need to get a manager in who will just kind of follow what he's done and not change things too dramatically. I mean... Well, I wonder then if, if the natural appointment would be his coach, Alec Cleland, who's actually in caretakership of the club at the moment. He's been there for as long as, as Wright has, um, was part of that cup-winning side in a coaching capacity. But so was Callum Davidson as well, who's what the Millwall assistant. He could come back. He would be an excellent appointment because I think he was tipped to be, or was tipped as the reason why St Johnston were so good defensively. I think he's a bit more of a defensive-minded coach. But who knows? What they who's want, gonna... Isn't it? Because they, they, yeah. that club's sort of been stuck around the same place forever, and you think if they want to go above that, they need a manager who can take them up higher. Is it going to be someone? And there's not much difference in the way they play football compared to how Steve Clark played at Kilmarnock and he came away and got the Scotland job, right? Yeah. So you can get someone in that can see it as a big opportunity to come in, but then you need better players to be able to do that and that needs time and are they going to get the amount of money to be able to do what they want to do? It's it's kind of frustrating sporting clubs like this because the, the real success is staying up and it is again this season for St. John's staying up. Finishing sixth is great. It's still not a European place, so they need to find a way to get up and have a few spots. But there's so much competition. And next season, whenever it starts, you get Dundee United in there now but, as well. But this is this is it, JJ. Tommy Wright and St Johnston have been written off at the start of probably the last two or three seasons. And credit to Tommy and his team that he's proved everyone wrong every season. We never wrote him off. But the problem seems to always be with teams is, you know, if you start poorly, you obviously have to work harder to get your side, to give them the belief, to get the wins and the points to stay in this this level. But with him gone, and if St Johnston don't kind of try and continue with some sort of um, 
consistency of Tommy Wright and the way that he played and, like you say, the culture, if they go with someone a bit left field or someone who doesn't know the club, maybe that could be really bad for really bad for them. Well, yeah, obviously. But, I mean, like the best thing you can think as a Johnston fan would be you get someone who comes in, who does a job just like Tommy Wright for the start, and then is able to transform it into what they want to do, and it's maybe a bit more attacking, and they've got the players involved to, to take them to the next level. But it doesn't mm-hmm. have to be more attacking. It could just be a better version of what they're already doing. Just someone who's got... There's a big opportunity there for someone, and yeah. uh, it's up to Johnston to decide whether they want to go for someone who's young, who hasn't had that chance to, to show what they can do, or if they want to go for someone who's been around the block, doesn't want no real ambitions to try anything different, but just knows how to coach a football team and take them where they are. Well, JJ, it's going to be remiss of us not to let you have a word on Aberdeen. So, tell us what's what's happening next scene. Is it good next season? Is it going to be bigger? Is it going to be better? Is Derek McInnes going to stay for the full season? <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, finishing fourth, getting that European place. I mean, the, getting the European place is Aberdeen's. Minimum, I think third would have been the minimum actually this season to set. Yeah. So it's not it's not been great. And um, I spoke to Derek McInnes for an interview uh, last week. I think it was talking to him about squad building, like I've mentioned so many times. And yeah, and he was telling me all about the difficulties with rebuilding a squad when you lose uh, lose boys. But like he he signed, for example, we mentioned this throughout the season. He mm-hmm. signed Funso Ojo and Craig Bryson. That was his big signings, and they've been injured all season long, so he could never really get it going. Could never really get the consistency going. Cosgrove lost a bit of confidence at some point along the way. Curtis Main came in. It's not been uh, great to watch at times, but I think as the team settles, and he has, he's, he's an example of a manager who's put in that, that winning mentality at the club. There's, there's a culture there. They just have to add good players to it. Some of it's not clicking. He certainly seems to think, and I would intend, claim to agree, that it's to do with confidence in those players. Like young players coming in, not having the confidence to take on a man. Like if the system is built so that your winger has to take on a fullback one v one, and the the winger has to win that battle to get a cross in. That's how you built the system. Then that winger has to take the man on. So he signed Matty Kennedy in January mm-hmm. to be able to do exactly that. Puts begin in the middle, so you've got that kind of thing going on. But players aren't taking on those men. They're coming back inside. They're getting shown back. Defenders are making the wrong decisions, hitting long balls at the striker, things like that. There's a lot that's not quite there and I think it's just one of these transition seasons losing Shinny was massive it seems to have affected the whole thing there's never a rumour now that uh, Lewis Ferguson's been courted I like that word from football things by Brentford so that could be uh, yeah that could be one to look out for because they've got a great scouting department Aberdeen could also face losing Cosgrove who's been such a potent striker over the past two seasons I know he had that Aberdeen blip since New Year There'll be people who look at all those players at Aberdeen. Lewis Ferguson would be one, you'd think. And, uh, uh, Sam Cosgrove, maybe he's scored a lot of goals. He'll be in a lot of clubs' radars and they can probably pay him a bit of money. But mm-hmm. uh, again, as McInnes has said in the past, he's at a good place in Aberdeen because he has the team built for him. He's a bit of a... What do you describe him as to me? He's a bit of a parasite. He he lives on... A I didn't describe other... him as that. <laughs> no, no, it's what McInnes said. McInnes said to me that oh. he's a bit of a parasite. He feeds on... Uh, supply from other people he needs to be on the end of other stuff he doesn't create so much for himself and his goal return is up there it might be better than Adam Rooney's actually overall so he's doing the job that Adam Rooney was doing for so long for Aberdeen in that McInnes team and if he were to go somewhere else it might be that suddenly just like some players go to different clubs it just doesn't suit it doesn't click and he's not quite the player that he is I think he's a good player Cosgrove I think maybe get a bit of money for him but mm. uh, yeah I'd imagine he'll be I, think, I don't think Aberdeen will lose any players and 
they're in their position this season for the first time in a long time. They're not going to lose any key individuals over the summer because of the contract situations. So everyone's tied up and it could be that suits them just perfectly for next season. Well, I think we should end it there. That wraps us up for the season. Um, thanks so much for joining us along the way for it. If you want more of a season wrap-up, then make sure you listen to our previous episode where we reviewed the last nine months or so. JJ, thanks you for joining me as well. Thank you to Little Kicks for our tune. Thanks for Abby for looking after us and making us sound interesting. <laughs> Scottish football never fails to entertain and make a lot of noise, eh? So maybe next season we can keep it on the pitch, lads, eh? Until next time. You've been listening to the Totally Scottish Football Show, a Muddy Knees Media production. For sales and advertising, please email sales at muddykneesmedia.com. Keep up to date with everything across our Totally Football Network at The Totally Show on Twitter. And make sure you check out our brand new website too, thetotallyfootballshow.com. Muddy Knees Media. <laughs>